0: Welcome to Talking Giants, player profiles and projections. We got an offensive player and a defensive player. That's the way it goes, Justin. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Penick. Presented by John Boy Media. Did I say that twice? I'm not sure. Justin, we got Evan Ingram today. Evan Ingram. He's six foot three, 240 pounds. He's entering his fourth year in the NFL. Uh, he'll be 26 years old by the time the season starts. He was picked in the first round, 23rd overall by Jerry Reese Justin this he's a complicated player but what do you got on him Mhm Doesn't it feel like he's been in the league for longer? It feels like he's been well, he's been through like two Giants regimes, that's what the deal is His rookie year where
1: he got a million targets, but his efficiency was really bad in 2017 because all a tight end was and Ben McAdoo's offense was was just a dump-off machine. And that's who Eli Manning was uh, during 2017 and after 2016 anyway. So, yeah, Evan Ingram, complicated player, but... Very similar, I mean, to to a lot of players on this roster, Bobby, let's be frank. Very important player. Extremely important player.
0: Right. But Caden Smith does make it a little less important. What do you got on him, though? Right.
1: Right. So my fun fact about Evan Ingram, and the story goes back to that Giants huddle interview he did last year before last training camp. I think the more known fact about him is that his sister was a player in the WNBA, very successful basketball player, I believe for Georgia. They both went to sec schools.
0: Um, Just like Andrew Thomas.
1: Yeah, that's right. Evan Ingram does have a tattoo of his sister, but my, the most fun story, I think about that. And the most fun part, part about their relationship, at least what's public is as Evan Ingram was looking for D one schools and D one offers in high school, he wasn't getting all of the scholarship letters in the mail. It was actually his sister. So they both had that little bit of rivalry and there was a little bit of jealousy uh between the two between the two siblings as the sister was getting all the letters in the mail. She was getting all the phone calls, she was getting heavily recruited. And I think it wasn't until Evan Ingram actually went to an old miss camp where he really got the attention of some coaches. But even after attending that camp, Evan Ingram was a little frustrated because it really took him a while to get that offer. And then he finally recruited and now he's a New York football giant.
0: They saw the six foot three and ran that fast and they're like all right <laughs> yeah. let's we don't know if he's good just give him something yeah um, all right so Justin last year he he got hurt in the Minnesota game missed a week and then after the Dallas game he missed he he was out for the season missed seven games he got foot surgery on December 20th Justin let's get into some stats and then we'll just talk about it. in 8 games last year he had 44 catches 467 yards and three touchdowns that's a 65% catch uh target at a 16-game rate, Justin, that's 88 catches, 934 yards, and six touchdowns. That's awesome for like just kind of normal stats. That's, that's awesome. In 2018, in 11 games, he had 45 catches for 577 yards, three touchdowns. You mentioned his rookie year where he missed one game, 64 for 722 and six touchdowns. He's extremely productive when he plays, Justin. I mean, he had one bad game. Statistically, there's only one game you look at and like, ooh, bad game. It was Arizona where he had one catch for six yards and he had that one big drop uh on the right sideline.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the 16 game stats, but then when you look at some of the more advanced numbers, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because it's a different offense and I really feel it's irrelevant, and I more or less want to talk about Evan Ingram's role in 2020, more or less what he did in 2019, because I just don't think that's important. But yes, you look at the 16-game scale, and this is what we're trying to do at Talking Giants, and this is what I'm just trying to do as a football fan, looking at the game of football um, in a different and a nuanced way. So yes, the 16-game and the volume stats, like catches and yards, they were pretty good. Like, holy crap, for a tight end getting 88 catches and all those yards, that's absolutely amazing. But the efficiency all very much down compared to 2018. Uh Warren Sharp talked a lot about that recently. His yards after catch per reception was down by 2 yards. Um his yards um excuse me. Um his yards per reception was down almost 2 yards, so his efficiency numbers were not that great. But like I said, I don't really think it's that important to talk about because we're in a totally new system. And we're coming from, we're going to an offensive coordinator where it was Jason Witten and Tony Romo for all those years, and Jason Witten had a Hall of Fame career.
0: And Jones likes to come back to the tight ends, and he's and Evan Ingram's a game breaker. That speed is game changing. I mean, you look at the Tampa game with you know just a, a simple drag route he takes for seventy five yards to start off the second half. There's that changed not many, the game. Yeah, there's not many tight ends in the league that can do that, and Evan Ingram did that. He just I mean his first touchdown pass for Daniel Jones was was not even that hard of one because he just got it to Evan Ingram and he burns, dude down, burns yeah. dudes down the sideline. And, you know, he got hurt in that Minnesota game, which is, his production wasn't horrible. But you look at those first four games where he was just fully healthy and playing with Eli and Jones at QB, 27 catches, 331 yards, and two touchdowns, which at a 16-game rate is 100-plus catches, 1,300-plus yards. He was balling until that injury happened. And then, yeah. you know, Tate comes back. No, no one could really get on schedule injury-wise. Um, like I said, his stats were, after that weren't bad, but he was a flat-out baller for the New York Giants. And I get we have Caden Smith, and he's not the greatest of blockers, but, man, he's just a game-changer, and I want to just see him stay healthy. And that's the biggest if with Evan Ingram.
1: Yeah, one of my father's favorite sayings when I was growing up is, it's good to want. So I would say, hey, Dad, you know, can we have this or can I have that? And then he would just respond to me, it's good to want. (laughs) And that's honestly where I feel like we're at with Evan Ingram. Bobby, he's one of the few players, and maybe we can have a segment on this coming up soon on the actual show on one of our longer episodes. He's one of the few players this year where if he does something, great. And if he can put it together for the 16 games, great. Or Even if he can put it together for crying out loud for 12 games. I mean, come on, give us something. That's more than just a quarter of the season. But I have zero expectations. I think I've officially talked myself out. And this, again, being a fan, I've talked myself out out of having the expectation for Evan Ingram. And partially you feel better because of Caden Smith. Now, Bobby, I want to ask you this. And I want this to be really quick because I think this is a pointless conversation. But it comes up time and time and time again. And it bothers me. Evan Ingram at wide receiver.
0: No, right? No. No, you can split yeah. him out for reps, but just Correct. being like, hey, you're a wide receiver, um, absolutely not. You know, it's as simple as he loses his speed advantage that he would. Correct. Um, against against linebackers. So now, like I said, split him out wide here and there. And they did and, you know, the he's been used that way, especially at Ole Miss. But as just like, hey, you're like if you look at him the way you do Darius Slayton, I don't think so. It's not that he'd be like horrible, but it's just it's just a different position. That's not what he's for. Um and I, I just – I don't think the injuries come from playing tight end. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, I, I just – I have a lot of hope for him. And like yeah. you said, you ha- you don't have anything for him. I mean, I do. Now, granted, with Caden have- Smith, it, it feels um like he's expendable. But when he's in, he's a game changer. And the tight end position is a position that Jones likes. You know, you see a l- some QBs, they don't really uh, use their tight ends that well. Jones is, and then you bring in Jason Garrett, who loves using the tight ends, and it should be a match made in heaven,
1: yeah, don't get me wrong, I have hope for Evan Ingram, but I think it's the expectations that that's where I'm kind of coming from. Evan Ingram's a very good football player again, if he's right i'm getting I think that's a it's a common thread of these p p p s Bobby where we're saying with some of these players if they're right um we talked you just talked about Jason Garrett, I have been trying to dive in and This is going to be a work in progress for myself and both Bobby about learning about how Jason Garrett used his tight ends because it's so, it's, I almost feel like it's not complex, but it is complex at the same time because there's so much nuance that goes into this. I'm going to share, I I recommend you looking up two different things if you're listening to this. Number one, there's an ESPN article that Jason Witten wrote himself I believe this was the year that he was retired, so, you know, he wasn't a player. He wrote this himself about the route that he caught the most balls in in his NFL career. He caught 1,152 passes, but no joke, he bets that 500 of them came on the same route, and that route is called the Y option. Now, if you know the Y option in Madden, Bobby, if I, if I don't really play Madden a lot, but if you know the Y option in Madden is you usually have a tight end or maybe your slot Y receiver that has an option, whether to make a little bit of a button hook, like five yards in, or they run an out route, depending on whatever coverage the wide receiver sees. And I'm putting this in quotes on Madden. That's the simple way to describe it. But it's a lot more nuanced and it's a lot more complicated on than that. So look at that ESPN article. And also, I kind of I kind of geeked out over this, Bobby. During Jason Witten's retirement ceremony with Dallas. It was him and Jason Witten, or it was him and Jason Garrett that was talking about the Y option, and Jason Garrett was actually tearing up, talking schematically about how brilliant Jason Witten ran that Y option. So in a perfect world, Evan Ingram becomes a household name, and Daniel Jones is throwing the ball to him, running that Y option, but the thing that makes me scared, Bobby, it's because I remembered in Kevin Gilbright's system, a lot of his system was centered around wide receiver options and option plays. There were wide receivers like, I don't know, Plaxico Burris, Eli Manning had a very good connection. They, you know, almost pre-snap, they knew what they were doing together. Others, other wide receivers like Reuben Randall. Ruben Randall would come in on a route. Eli Manning would expect him to run a streak down the field, and then there would be an interception thrown to a safety. So option routes it's going to be interesting to see how much they've learned and how much they've grown together this offseason but that y option that's going to be the thing that's going to make the money for evan ingram this year
0: yeah and that's why the tight end spot isn't all just about speed it's about actually knowing what you're doing and reading like because you're playing the middle of the field you have to read coverages and see what guys are doing you know there's still you know kevin gilbride's offense was built on option routes on the outside as well but more so in the tight end because you just got to read linebackers what guys are doing and i remember that that uh that speech you said about Jason Garrett and Jason Witten. And they said there was like a million different options, you know, more than just a Madden, like in, you know, in out or curl. That's,
1: that's the simple way to describe
0: it. (laughs) There's like a million ways to run that. So if he's willing to put in the work, then he should do that. And that's something Caden Smith showed as a rookie that he was able to read defenses a little bit, or at least it seemed to be. So, yeah, I mean, when I say big expectations, I do have big expectations for him because you can't just plan on guys being injured. Now, this year, it's a little different where you have Caden Smith to fall back on a little bit. So, big expectations, but I'm not panicking if he uh, if he does go down. And, you know, next year is, is his fifth year. If he doesn't perform this year, I could definitely see him being a guy that gets traded in the offseason. Yeah. And teams will take a chance on him with a speed. Even if he misses more yeah. games, there will be a playoff team that will take a chance on a guy like Evan Ingram.
1: There were rumblings that the 49ers were interested during the pre-draft process, and they already have the one of the best players in the National Football League that just happens to be a tight end. So uh, tight ends are very valuable, and that's that's actually something that I think it's perfect to bring up, where why Evan Ingram is so important is because a tight end can change your entire football team. I like to talk about positional value, and I just like to talk about players who bring value to begin with, Giants haven't had players who bring value. Evan Ingram... On the football field, again, is a guy who can bring value to an entire offense because he changes the entire complexion. He changes the team's identity. He can make Saquon better. He can make Jones better. He can make these wide receivers better because more attention is being brought onto that one weapon right there. That same value I do not think is there at wide receiver if you're still one of these fans and if you're still one of these people that thinks, oh, but he can just move out there because he's getting hurt. Now, Bobby, I also have this take and you can shut me down. Feel free to shut me down. But I do think Evan Ingram's snap count should be down a little bit this year because I'll be honest, on rushing downs, third and short, first and 10, there are plays that I want him taking off because I want to see Caden Smith and Levine Toilolo in there together blocking and creating holes for Saquon Barkley.
0: I agree, and I was watching some film um, for Evan Ingram. It was the Tampa game. And Shermer was bringing in Rhett Ellison and Eric Tomlinson, who good blockers. Ellison actually wasn't a great blocker last year. No, but it's like those guys aren't really receiving threats. I know Ellison could make some catches, but though like Tomlinson definitely wasn't. Where Caden Smith showed he could be a receiving threat, so that that makes the defense play a little bit uh, a little more honest. But you also can't just take them down for out for every running down because you got to no. leave that threat out there for him. Correct, and set it up for play actions and stuff like that all right you got anything else on the cap before we move to defense
1: no no i almost wish we could talk uh 15 minutes longer about (laughs) about evan ingram and how important he is so um why option look up some of those jason witten jason garrett videos and articles and stuff like that and uh hope to uh the football gods that evan ingram can stay healthy in 2020
0: come on pay attention in there let's go we got a beautiful day work play fast play fast whoa uh. all right let's talk about blake 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 martinez new addition to the new york giants he was a free agent that came over he's six foot two 237 pounds 26 years old he was picked in round four pick 131 justin he signed with the giants on a three-year 30 million dollar deal But there is an out after 2021 where there'd only be $2 million in dead cap. So in reality, it's more like a two-year deal. Justin, what do you got on this cap?
1: Bobby, did you know that Blake Martinez has a home gym that he built with his father?
0: He built it with his father, really? Yeah. That's crazy. You didn't know that? (laughs) I mean, I had like 19 people write a story about it. And like the Giants did like 20 videos on it. Um. But it, it did refresh my memory. I completely forgot that he had his own gym. Can't believe that that went in one ear and out the other. Can't Blake, believe that. Blake Martinez looks like a guy who would own his own gym. I mean, he, definitely, he definitely looks the role of like linebacker.
1: He's a good-looking man.
0: He looks like a linebacker. It's just got kind of like that meathead look, the shoulders that go with it. He looks like a meathead. And, and for someone who's Hispanic, he doesn't look it either. Oh, that is true. He does. He's very pale but I guess that happens when you live in green Bay. So, Mm. and New York probably won't help a ton. All right, let's talk about him. Justin in 2019, he had 155 tackles, 97 of which were solo five tackles for a loss, three sacks and an interception. Justin, he was top two in total tackles the last three years. He was top seven in solo tackles the last three years. So in 2018, he had 144 tackles, 91 solo, 10 tackles for a loss, five sacks the year before. 96 solo tackles, another 10 tackles for a loss, and only one sack. Justin, he's a productive player. A lot of people have a lot of different opinions on him. I'll start with, I didn't really like the signing of Blake Martinez. I think he's a good linebacker. Um, But I think linebacker, you know, people talk about the devaluing of the running back spot. I think linebacker, inside linebacker is in a weird position where the elite guys make a huge difference but they also end up retiring early which is interesting you know Patrick Williss Luke Kuechly like the elite guys end up retiring early but the elite guys make a total difference but i feel like the middle ground at inside linebacker there's not the biggest difference in the world because a lot of linebackers are not great in zone covers they don't have the instincts and Blake Martinez isn't like what he's not bad what people make him out to be but he's certainly not like great in zone coverage I think that's one of the reasons
1: why you're seeing linebackers are coming off the field on passing downs and you're having safeties. Physical safeties like Jabril Peppers, even safeties like Julian Love, who took Jabril Peppers' place last year. Uh, Xavier McKinney, this is why I feel like we drafted him, so interior linebackers can can come off the field on second and third down. Granted, I don't think Blake Martinez is going to be coming off the field at all. Actually, his last two years, Bobby, and this is, again, a staple of Dave Gettleman since he got here, was signing guys, for better or for worse, signing, trading, drafting guys, uh, that are on the football field and the best abilities availability. Blake Martinez's snap share the last two years have been 99. Uh, I'm with you. With I at first hated the signing. Like I hated it. Like I literally tweeted out, "This is the one guy I don't want." I was kind of on the Jamie Collins train. Uh, very athletic linebacker out of New England. I think he went to Detroit. Not sure. Bad podcasting. He did. If I got it. He, oh, good for me. Very athletic a little bit older but he would have been cheaper but is he the captain is he the is he the captain you know the middle linebacker that you want out of your defense probably not Blake Martinez fills that again volume stats i'm not the biggest fan of just looking solely at volume stats but you can't deny somebody that makes as many tackles as he does if you watch the 49ers game last year bobby you're saying i hate this guy and you're slamming your head against the wall if you watch the vikings game you're saying wow this guy's really good and you're really excited when
0: i watched the 49ers game i hated the packers defensive coordinators like this team is running two tight ends a fullback running it down your throat and you won't put like they were literally not putting another linebacker out there besides martinez they had three safeties on the field Patrick Graham may do that. Hopefully not against the 49ers. Okay, maybe the 49ers, <laughs> we could get a little heavier out there. Um, but I think Martinez will thrive behind this defensive line in the run game. And people mm-hmm. bring up like, well, some of the tackles are downfield. Yeah, that's going to happen when you have 150 freaking tackles in a year. They're not all going to be stops at the liners agreements. Like, sorry, that's not real life. But he's extremely smart. He, you know, he's, he, does, he knows where to line guys up. He knows how to play the right gap. And at times he plays like that downhill aggressive style. And I think he plays it at the right times. Like Minnesota was the game I went to go look at when Blake Martinez. I want that's the first game I want to see. Uh, they here. have that play action set up. They run that outside zone. They've got the wide receivers on the back end. And I thought it was extremely abres- uh, uh, impressive because he played aggressive, he played strong to the hole. He went at and he had like a lot of like his best run stuffing game I think was that Minnesota game at least out of the 5 or so games I watched of him. So, I was impressed against uh with that and you mentioned the 49ers game. You know, he actually said like I kind of was left out to dry sometimes in that uh Packers scheme and the 49ers game was a perfect example of that. So, run 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 game. Listen, he's not Ray Lewis. He's not going to be like a guy who's just going to be like out there making insane plays, but he's solid. Um, he he's a solid player in the run. Uh, He's a good player in the run, I should say that.
1: Yeah, I, I think of this signing more macro and kind of compare it to Nate Solder, and hear me out here, On except it's on a much smaller scale. Don't do that. No, but in a way, this is a price that we have to pay, literally, by signing to a somewhat big contract, a price that we have to pay for not being able to find an inside linebacker or a middle linebacker since Antonio Pierce. This is the price that we have to pay to go out and sign somebody who is average, who I actually don't think the contract is that bad, especially when you consider it's a two-year deal. Again, Giants were smart, this free agency. Bobby's not going to be perfect, but also, is he going to be better than Alec Ogletree? Is he going to yes. be better than Keenan Robinson? Is he going to be better than Jonathan Casillas? Is he going to be better than insert inside linebacker that hasn't worked here since Antonio Pierce? Absolutely. Yes.
0: Absolutely. Let's, let's talk about his coverage a little bit. His 40 time was bad in the combine. I think it was like a four seven. When you put him in man coverage against a running back, he does really well. He knows like it's just part of it is just diagnosing a play, and he knows where he knows how to do that. So that's fine. They really didn't put him on in man versus tight end at all. And that was part of the, the Packers playing a safety down a lot. So that you know, Adrian Amos was covering those guys. And then in zone, there's plays where he like flashes brilliance, and then there's plays where they're throwing the ball right over his head.
1: Yeah, I think you could say the same for both him in the running game and him in the passing game. There will be plays where, wow, Blake Martinez made a good play there, and you'll take it because that's something that Alec Gogletree never gave you. And then there are going to be plays where you're going to be really, again, banging your head against the wall and saying, why did Blake Martinez do that?
0: Here's where I, I, I get excited, though. Everyone, Green Bay at his best year was 2018, and that was with linebacker coach Patrick Graham. He had five mm-hmm. sacks that year. He had 10 tackles for a loss. And here's something Blake Martinez is good at. He's a good A gap over the center blitzer. You know, he's not like, he's not, like I said, he's not Ray Lewis, but he's a pretty solid blitzer. He can at least get some penetration in the pocket. And he had five sacks that year. And Patrick Graham, like everyone said, that was his best year. And Patrick Graham was his linebacker coach. Patrick Graham likes to line the linebackers up in that spot, especially yeah. on a third down where a linebacker. Who has some bad isn't great in zone could get us in trouble. He would line him up there and blitz him. So that's what I like, and that's something I begged out of James Betcher. It's like, listen, I get we don't have the greatest guys on the back end, but when you have Alec Ogletree and David Mayo playing inside linebacker and you don't blitz, well, that's a QB's uh, you know dream on third down because they're mm-hmm. just gonna wait for someone to go all over him, wait for one of those guys to make the wrong decision and do it. So I also, as much as like the zone uh, code coverage stuff isn't like you don't get excited for it, hopefully Graham uses him in the right way on the, in those situations. I'm, saying, I'm not saying you could blitz him every time, but hopefully they right. use him in the right ways.
1: I had the same argument with Alec Ogletree, where actually the one part of his game that he was somewhat adequate in was his advanced numbers when it comes to when he's blitzing the quarterback. Now, in 2018, I find this to be very, very interesting. Now, Graham was the linebacker coach in 2018. He wasn't the defensive coordinator. So I'm wondering why there was such a – There was such a vast change from 2018 to 2019, probably because of the arrival of the two Smiths. But Blake Martinez blitzed 61 times in 2018, according to Pro Football Reference, and 2019 he blitzed 24 times. That's a that's 33. That's yeah, that's like that's a two-thirds difference right there. Now five sacks 2018, three sacks 2019. um, But that's a big difference. He had five hurries, one quarterback knockdown 2018, two hurries, zero quarterback knockdowns in 2019. But look at the sacks. The sacks. Two, two sacks are significant, right? We'll make we won't make a big deal out of it, but he can do it. He can do it. He's somewhat effective in it. Um, and especially if your biggest strength isn't your coverage, let's send him on blitzes on third down if he has
0: to be on the field. Yeah, or put him in man coverage on the running back, which um, he showed very capable of. All right. I mean, do you got anything else on him? I, you know, we did a deep dive on him in free agency. I don't. I feel like I, I'm good on him.
1: Yeah. Eleven pressures, uh, 2018. That was the that was the thing that I wanted to share. Oh, I know. Eleven pressures, 2018. So that's 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 cool for an interior linebacker. Not too bad. Um, Bobby, there's going to be some plays this year, and I think this is going to get Giants fans like myself very excited, who appreciate good form tackling. That when he's going downhill again on these outside zone plays, when he's going downhill. He's going to knock somebody's block off. He's not hesitant, and he's going to wrap up. He's going to bite the ball, uh, and he's going to drive a guy to the ground, and it's going to look good. Um, so those plays when he can get momentum, and we talk about offensive players that are going downhill, how they look good. We talk about Brandon Jacobs. When he starts getting, going downhill, he can lay a licking on somebody. Blake Martinez, when he's going downhill, he can lay a licking on some ball carriers. It's going to be fun. Rooting for you, Blake Martinez. We kind of need you bad, uh, but also the hopefully the big hog mollies up front can help you as well.
0: And one more quick note him playing smart, playing gap responsibility, allows Ryan Conley on the back end to fly. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Until then, let's go, Big Blue.